0: Welcome to the Tell Us Something Podcast. I'm Mark Moss. We are currently looking for storytellers for the next Tell Us Something storytelling event. The theme is, It's the Little Things. If you'd like to pitch your story for consideration, please call 406-203-4683. You have three minutes to leave your pitch. The pitch deadline is November 7th. I look forward to hearing from you. This episode of the podcast was recorded in front of a live audience on August 31st, 2022, in Black Rock City at Center Camp at the Burning Man event.
1: The artists, the writers, the creatives, those were other people. That's what other people did.
0: Five storytellers shared their true personal story on the theme Waking
2: Dreams. My wife and I had spent 42 grand in cash on in vitro that didn't work.
0: Today, we hear from three of those storytellers.
3: And I wasn't just surprised, I was shocked. Like, there wasn't enough room in my body for the blood. It was amazing.
0: Citizens of BlackRock City hold 10 principles to be true, including radical inclusion, radical self reliance, radical self expression, civic responsibility. Leaving No Trace, Communal Effort, Immediacy, and the three that I'm interested in today are Participation, Gifting, and Decommodification. The Storytellers participated in a magical night of deep vulnerability. The listeners participated with their active listening. Gifting. The Storytellers gifted us with their stories, and the event was also free to listeners. Decommodification. There were no sponsors, and so, for this episode of the Something podcast there are no sponsors to thank. Our first story comes to us from Jack Butler, who recounts the story of his first burn and how it inspired him to write a novel set in Black Rock City in a story that we call The Virgin. Thanks for listening.
1: So when I was about four years old, I had a reoccurring dream. And I thought it was a nightmare. So we're back in about 1977. So this is how the dream starts. I'm on a desert plain. And it's nighttime, and there's this huge arch of earth. And from the center of the arch growing back down towards the ground is this beautiful tree. It's inverted. Behind the arch and behind the tree, there's something glowing in the sky. And so the dream starts to shift and this thing starts to rise in the sky. And I become frightened, so I woke myself up. And the next night, I went to sleep and I was again on this desert plain, cracked earth, nighttime, arch, tree, glowing thing in the sky and it started to rise into the sky a little bit more and I was frightened, so I woke myself up. And I probably talked to my mom about it in the morning, but you know, it's the 70s, so put on your corduroy shirt, drink your tang, go to to school. They're not really big in uh, getting self-involved in there. So the next night, I told myself, well, I know I can wake myself up So I'll go ahead and see what what happens. And, cracked, desert plain, arch, tree, rise in the sky, and what I saw was this glowing wolf's head that just looked at me, and it looked at me with just this kindness and intensity, and then the dream was over. Flash forward about 20 years, I like to go to new age conferences and learn about all different types of things, and they had, a break period where they said, well, Does anyone have any questions? And no one did. So I said, Well, I had this dream and I described it. And there were a lot of answers and things from people. But this one lady said, You know, shamans would meditate at the base of a tree and then they would send their spirit down the roots of the tree to this lower level, this place of lower vibration to do whatever work they needed to do. So with the tree inverted, it's a pathway to a higher level of existence, a higher level of vibration. 2019 is my fourth year out here. We were finishing up building a theme camp, and I was looking around and just taking it in, and you know something fantastic just drove down the road, and I just said out loud, was "Like someone should write a book to explain this place." Why people come here? Why do you come to this hellish place which nothing but heat and and all the environmental stuff you have to deal with? Of course, one of my friends was like, yeah, you should do that. You should go ahead and you should write that book. So I went home and, and stared at a document and opened the word document. It's like, well, what do you say about this place? Well, you write a book to find out what you know, not to tell what you know. And so I thought about the first time I came here as a virgin and I'd heard about it and heard about it from friends and it was, it sounded fantastic. And I came out here and just worked to death for like three days. Cause I could know how to work. And then I ventured out on my bike and I went out to the Esplanade and there's just madness and there's sound and there's music and there's lights and there's art cars and there's people zooming by. And I could take that for about five or 10 minutes. And then I just need to go out to the trash fence. So you'll be by myself. And I'm sitting out there, my back to the trash fence, watching all this stuff go on. And I'm thinking about my emotional turmoil and my baggage and things I have. And one voice is saying, it's time to go. You just got to get out of here. This is too much, it's too different. And the other side is like, well, you're here. You came here, it took a lot to get here. So why don't we sit for just a minute and when I looked out, I realized there were 70,000 people who didn't care about my problems. So maybe I should put them to the side for a minute. And then I thought about what else could I put in, into a book? I could put in the art out here. This is the largest art festival anywhere. And I've seen art that I couldn't believe. And I got to meet the artist. Because for me and my background, the artist, the writers, the creatives, those were other people, that's what other people did. That's not what I did. I couldn't do that, I, I lived in a different world. But then I got to talk to them and they were just people. And that slowly became the theme of the book. People are just people. And this art will push you out here. The first art project that really kind of knocked me was the Barbie uh, death camp. And if you've never seen it, it's, it's an incredible offering, been out here a long time, but it's, it's these Barbie dolls who are new, Ken and Barbie dolls being marched into ovens by other Ken and Barbie dolls dressed as Nazis. And it's, and it's a very serious subject and it, it will knock you in your tracks and make you think, but that's what art out here does. It makes you think, and it made me think. And when I started talking to these creatives and I realized they're just people like me, then maybe I can create. And maybe i can write a book so i sat down this is how you write a book you sit down every day and you start typing words if you write the first line you can write the last time 90% of the people who write a book do not finish it so i started to writing and and very much believe that there's muses there's these creative energies that swirl around all over the place and they're just looking for a place to land i did not write this book this book wanted to be written I know that because it just started to flow and characters come out of the woodwork and situations happen and suddenly you're telling a story and I want to read the story that I'm writing and people just started to define what Burning Man is through the little vignettes that we've all had, these little moments that we all have. And that's the important part is the little moments we have, no matter what else is happening, where we see kindness and we see love and we see hurt and heartache and struggle and we get through it. So I wrote the book and it was finished and I found an editor, which every writer needs, which I found out, you really need an editor, and it, and it got better and it got better and finally one day it was done, and I needed a cover. So I thought, well, I'm going to put the words Into the Dust the Virgin, a Burning Man story. So I contacted the org and they were great and they let me use the words Burning Man on the front cover. It's like, what do I put on there? A man? Do I put a burn? What do I put? And none of it felt right. So I just sat and I thought and I thought about a dream I had when I was a little boy and it was an arch of earth, and it was a tree growing upside down. And it's a path to a higher level of vibration existence. And I commissioned an artist and the artist drew it. And it wasn't till I saw the picture that I knew where I was in 1977. I was on the playa. This place has been here waiting for all of us. This place is a porter to our higher selves and our higher journey if we want to take that journey. Now, you begin with the ending in mind, but I didn't know what the end would be. So I will end with the first line of the book. So you have to write the first line. And it's come all you fractured souls, society's lost and discarded vessels, lonely children and adult skins, bring your art, your love and your wonder, find solace in the dust. And I liked that ending, but there was something more. I came out here to renegade Burn, and I wrote a poem. And I'm going to take just a little piece from that that really resonated with me. I know that this body and this vessel will die, will pass on, as my loved ones have died and passed on before me. And what will remain is my love. In the memory of my love for each and every one of you. We who are so blessed to have come to this place and to be able to raise ourselves up, we are the holders of the flame, and we will guide the others home. We are the burn. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Jack. Jack Butler was raised in Kentucky and found the outdoors and forests to be a great playground. He developed a love of reading at an early age and would lose himself in the adventures and stories. Jack spent six years in the military after high school and then another 25 years bouncing around the world as a merchant marine on ships. Jack's first burn was in 2016 and it began a process of opening his eyes to another world, a different life. To learn more about Jack and hear a sample from his book, Visit tellusomething.org. In our next story, after a long overnight shift patrolling Black Rock City, Ranger Sasquatch is tasked with delivering an exciting message. In the days before cell service on the playa, Ranger Sasquatch must find his intended recipient the old-fashioned way by interacting with his fellow citizens in a story that we call Special Delivery. Thanks for listening.
2: As he said, I'm Ranger Sasquatch, and I've been here a good long time. And uh, there are some things that are constant at Burning Man. One of those things is the learning cliff. You either fall off it when you encounter it, float to the ground, or you run into it like the coyote in a Warner Brothers cartoon. This is a story about how I ran into it like that coyote. Back in 2005, the city was a different place. The term Wi-Fi, if it existed at all, was just circulating in technical magazines. It really hadn't circulated to the general population. We didn't have any contact out here with the greater world, not in any significant sense. Emergency messages for people here at Birding Man came into the Gerlach office, were written down on a piece of paper, placed on a spindle, and picked up a couple times a day by an individual who then drove them into the city. Where they were delivered to the ranger department for delivery to the individuals who they were intended for in those days rangers worked eight-hour shifts we had three shifts a day and uh having a working brain i worked the graveyard shift (laughs) midnight to eight in the morning and uh in those days there were less rangers and in those days people really knew how to mess themselves up so An eight hour shift could require that we ran from one scene of carnage to another on our bicycles. And I was a beautiful young squirrel who could really speed on my bicycle, so I would do maybe 25 miles in an eight hour shift here, just within the city. (sighs) Needless to say, at the end of one of those shifts, you were really ready to go back home to your camp and get ready for your next shift, which was a mere 12 hours away, and at least one of those hours, maybe two of those hours, were you getting back to your camp, forcing down the carbohydrates and, and the water, and, and then finding a cool place to sleep while the day star crossed through the sky. You were ready to go home. This particular morning, coming off my graveyard shift, khaki which is what we call the shift leads for rangers, on our radios we'll say khaki sasquatch and they'll answer us and khaki our shift lead the authority said sasquatch would you and your partner like to deliver an emergency message and you know i was really beat you know even though i was a energetic young squirrel with his natural hair color i uh i said well what what is the message you know what's the content of it and and Kaki said the message is congratulations daddy you're a father I thought oh man this is so my message to deliver because my my wife and I had spent 42 grand in cash on in vitro that didn't work in the previous three years and and I thought to myself Man, I want to be here to deliver this message. I want to see this guy's face. I want to share the joy of telling him that this had worked out for him where it hadn't for me. <sighs> anyway, <laughs> sorry, sorry, so sorry. Anyway, I said, I'll take that message. And my partner, Mongoose, I said, Mongoose, are you up for this? And Mongoose said, Sure thing, and I don't know if any of you know Mongoose, but that particular year, 2005, he built this art project that scared the living shit out of me. It was a ladder, 300 feet tall, that went nowhere, and it was guided all along its just lo- la- dis- all, all along. You know, the ladder was never going to fall, no matter how many people were on it, but it didn't go anywhere, and. People would go all the way to the top and go to the other side and, and then climb down and I would sit on the ground and mentally shit myself. <laughs> so Magus was a really particular fine individual and he said, I'm totally up for it. So we got the name of the individual and we got the theme camp he was associated with and we, in those days, again, people partied hard, burners really knew how to hurt themselves, and. Uh, at, at 8.30 in the morning on a Thursday in 2005, the only people awake were folks streaming back from this cafe or going to the porta potty. And so we went to where we knew his actual art project was, about 300 yards off of the 10 o'clock radial. And it was a, a drive up. I'm changing this because... I don't want to expose personal details, so I'm going to say it was a drive-up hot egg and cheese sandwich booth, and it, it was closed when we got there, and, and there was no one around, but there was a box truck. So Mongoose and I knocked on that box truck, and, and a guy came out, and he told us that they didn't actually camp around there, and we knew that, and he said, we're back at 8 and F. And his tent's right there. It isn't marked, but all you need to do is ask around. We knew how that worked, so we hopped on our bicycles and we we raced over to uh, 8 and F and and uh, we waited until somebody came out of a tent going to a porta potty, and we just pounced on them. And after about three of those, we found where their camp was and and where his tent was. More, most importantly. Okay, so we get off our bikes and. And I go to mongoose, and he's standing there, and and I get down on my knees in front of the door, and I say, "Hello, hello in there," it's Ranger Sasquatch with an emergency message. And I hear some stirring, and I and and I wait, and a a fellow comes to the door, a, kind of grizzled looking at the door of the tent. And he unzips it and he sticks his face out. And he's got a few days' growth of beard, and he's you I'm know, looking frazzled. And he, and, I, and he says, what's the message? And I say, the message reads, congratulations, Daddy, you're a father. And then I waited. And I watched his face because this was the moment. I mean, I'd modeled this in my mind. I was going to cap some joy from this guy. And, and as I watched, he scowled. And his face darkened. And I said, this isn't a good thing? And he... He shook his head and he goes, she's basically a stalker. And I, it was like my mind was a bug running into a windshield. Just, wham! Nothing actually hit me, but there was an almost physical impact in here. And I, uh, I, uh, I, uh, I, I, I started crying. (laughs) And, uh, before I knew it, he crawled out of his tent. He was patting me on the back, comforting me. And uh, he was so kind. And, uh, and I wanted to tell a lot about how the chorus in my mind, there was like a a voice and there really was because that's how my mind works I, I internalize things and and sometimes they're the voices of friends and when my mind for instance gets in a compulsive loop which it does i hear an old roommate go say the thing he used to correct his german short-haired pointers when they got into something he didn't want them to He would say leave it and 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 that that's something that my mind has decided to use to stop those loops and uh but this time i hadn't met that roommate yet but this time another roommate i could hear his voice and his his voice said haha you got fucking used you got used to attack this guy and your fucking preconceptions are garbage and i it just crushed me i got a lot of comfort from him and but it was a lesson you know there's good there's bad here and it's not bad to invest yourself in a thing it's not bad to believe in a thing but you got to be careful you got to be you got to be flexible like a willow you got to you got to know that sometimes it's gonna be really hard to handle what is presented thanks Sasquatch
0: Ranger Sasquatch has been a ranger since 2000 and has seen and experienced so many singular things, events, and people in his life, which he thinks is the point of it all. Sasquatch is also one of the DJs at Radio Electra, 89.5 on your dusty FM dial. Rounding out this edition of the Tell Us Something podcast, Missoula resident Katie Condon shares her psychic journey of love with us in a story that we call Discovery. Thanks for listening.
3: When I was eight years old, I prayed to God to please take away my psychic powers. I would have these vivid dreams. I knew exactly what was going to happen the next day. And it was fun for a while. People thought that I was smarter and wittier than I actually am. I just had time to prepare for the conversation. I knew what folks would say before they said it. I knew what I was getting for Christmas. I knew Santa wasn't real. There was this Christmas Eve my dad spent all night setting up a trampoline for us to enjoy on Christmas Day. And I remember just kind of like bouncing along on the trampoline while my siblings around me were literally jumping for joy. and. I was fighting back tears because I already knew it was going to happen. I think that's when my mom kind of thought that I was depressed. And she was right. I was. I was envious of kids who didn't have to unwrap presents with forced curiosity and false excitement. This psychic power became a curse and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed for God to take it away and it was gradual but she did it was my ninth birthday I received a bouquet of flowers from a secret admirer and I wasn't just surprised I was shocked like there wasn't enough room in my body for the blood it was amazing and i knew i'd lost my powers god had answered my prayers and i spent the next decade and a half living this wildly unpredictable incredible life i Wasn't alone anymore. There was a weight that was lifted. I took risks. Until my late 20s. I was with the man of my dreams. Ryan Silsby. We met when we were 14 years old. And we just clicked. I always felt like I met him too early, you know? Like, I'm not... I'm not ready for this kind of feeling, this kind of commitment. So when we graduated high school, he was ready to just settle down, move in together and his family had moved to the East Coast and I sent him there. I needed to travel. I needed to do me. I I wasn't quite ready for him. A couple months later, he hitchhiked all the way from D.C. to Montana. It surprised me. Then I had to tell him I wasn't ready, and I sent him back to D.C. And then a couple years later, he rode his bike all the way across the country to Montana. and Surprised me again. And it was hard, but I had to tell him again, I'm not ready. couple years later, I became ready. I was fully available for him. And I called out to the universe and I sent a Facebook message. And this man was in my arms, in my bed, in my apartment, as soon as he could get there. (laughs) And it was incredible. Our relationship was Passionate and full of romance. We went to Paris for Christmas. We read Lonesome Dove out loud to each other. He did all of the character voices, you know. He was consistently surprising me. Challenging me. He was tall. Stringy brown hair. Bright eyes. We were pretty happy. And then one day I couldn't find him. After a bit of sleuthing, I discovered his car at the trailhead, uh, Blodgett Canyon outside of Missoula, Montana in the Bitterroot National Forest. Within an hour, there was a helicopter in the air, search and rescue. After a couple days, his family and some of his friends had traveled from all over to come help find Ryan. Police, dogs, man trackers. I even spoke with a psychic. And after a week, Ryan was found dead at the base of a cliff. It was a nightmare. And that's when I got back on the telly with the Lord Almighty. I was convinced that if I didn't get my psychic powers back, if I didn't know what was going to happen, that I would not survive another surprise like that. I needed to be prepared. I needed to know, I prayed away these powers and I needed them back. A couple months after Ryan died, a friend asked me if I wanted to drive to Belize from Montana. And I accepted his invitation I thought, if I put myself in the situation where I have no idea what's going to happen, if I open myself up enough, if I become vulnerable, then God will give me my powers back. And after six weeks on the road, four countries, countless stories for the campfire, my friend dropped me off at home and I was devastated. It didn't work. I still couldn't see my future. There was no way to prepare for anything. I had to figure out how to keep living without knowing what was gonna happen. Eight years ago, today, exactly, I started the search for Ryan eight years ago exactly i found his car in that parking lot my life changed eight years ago the man who found ryan did not mean to he stumbled upon the situation He was probably one of the only people within a 100-mile radius who wasn't actively searching for Ryan. He was on a rock-climbing trip. He was from New York. He ended the nightmare. I had no idea that the surprises that I prayed for And the ones that traumatized me were actually preparing me for the man who found Ryan. The man who found Ryan has become my best friend, my family. We're engaged to be married. We own a home together. We're enjoying our first burn together. The man who found Ryan, he and I share this life full of possibility and opportunity. I feel like the nine-year-old receiving that bouquet of flowers consistently. There's not enough room in my body for the blood. I don't know what I'm getting for Christmas. (laughs) I believe in Santa. My name is Katie, and I'm a recovering psychic. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Katie. Katie Condon is a humanitarian at heart. She believes in the connection of all things. Katie is a lover of art and the simple, beautiful things this life has to offer. 2022 was her first visit to Black Rock City. Podcast production by me, Mark Moss. Next week on the Tell Us Something podcast, we look back at a story from an event that helped inspire Tell Us Something.
2: And it was there I learned how to fix stuff, because I had to. Ignore other stuff, because I could. Fix it later, because I got caught ignoring it. (laughs) And learned how to take time. Tune in for a
0: special edition of the Tell Us Something podcast honoring John Engen, longtime Missoula resident who has passed along from this mortal coil. Tune in next week for that. And remember to subscribe to the Tell Us Something podcast. Remember to get your tickets for the next Tell Us Something storytelling event. The theme is It's the Little Things. Tickets and more information is available at Telesomething.org. To learn more about Tell Us Something, please visit Telesomething.org.